Welcome back to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me, as always, is my boy Smitty over there. What's going on, man? Welcome back to the latest case of Misery Monday for the final time of the 2021-2022 Steelers season. How are you feeling after that loss last night? I'm thinking about just seeing how long of the episode I can just keep my hand like this specifically. You know, it might be a workout, so go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, the Steelers season comes to an end, and we're going to talk about that more in depth. That's not the first thing that I want to talk about, though. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. it plays into it. But we just watched Ben Roethlisberger play his last game in the NFL. Uh, sure, it was a loss to the Chiefs, kind of what we expected. Going back to last week, we talked about it, man. Just the fact that they even got to the playoffs this year with everything that had happened. Probably the worst roster that we've seen, you know, in the Ben, it, seemingly the Ben era. Um, you know, yep. somehow he drags them to the playoffs, beating the Ravens and Browns two times. So it was like anything on top of that was house money. Obviously, very disappointing the way that this game went. Um, we're going to talk about that more in depth, but again, getting back to like what we wanted this first segment to be just one last final send off appreciation for Ben Roethlisberger, uh, the ultimate competitor. And I don't think that there was any better way to summarize his career than the way he himself did, um, following that Monday night victory against Cleveland, where it's, it's never been pretty, you know, for him or for the team under him. Uh, but somehow always finding a way to win two Super Bowls, three Super Bowl appearances, division championships, AFC conference appear- championship appearances. I mean, the accolades are all there. Um, finish also went into the top three in postseason passing today. Um, so it's it's a Hall of Fame career, first ballot, in my opinion, and um, not the greatest send off, but um, unfortunately, one that we were kind of expecting. Yeah, it's not the send off that we all would like to have seen. We'd like to see him get at least get maybe one more game, but. You know, I said last week that if the Steelers had beaten the Ravens the way they did and then the Jags end up not beating the Colts, then I thought that was just going to be the perfect send off anyway. I thought beating the Browns and beating the Ravens, like Ben said and like you alluded to, like not really being perfect, but just finding a way to win, just pretty much summing up Ben Roethlisberger as a quarterback, Ben's career with the Steelers. I just think that would have been the perfect send-off. So the fact that we got to be able to watch it one more time, even though it wasn't pretty, the game was terrible in pretty much all facets. And But I told you, like I texted you before we started recording this, is like, I want to watch, I'm going to watch his last drive, and then I'll come down and start recording with you. Because it, yeah. it's the last time we're going to see him in a Steeler uniform. And it's just weird to think about, like next year, Ben Roethlisberger is not going to be on the roster for the team. And we've said it over the years, if any of you have listened to the show for multiple years going on, like we've mentioned, like it's not going to be pretty whenever the Steelers have to move on from Ben Roethlisberger, like the post Ben era is not going to be the best for being a Steeler fan. It's going to be it could be some rough years ahead, but we're finally here and it's kind of surreal it seemed like it was never going to come. I mean, I mean, this is he's been in our lives for pretty much 18 years, which is, I mean, a majority of you and my mine lives. A lot of people that are younger than us, they've never known anything different. So it, it, it's just it, it's sad to see the end, but it, it's I'm happy that we were able to, to get all the memories that we did. Like you mentioned, the Super Bowls, the AFC championships, the records that he set for the Steelers, and just seeing him climbing up the NFL record charts and. I'm just so appreciative for Ben Roethlisberger and what he is as a Steeler 
and what he meant to this organization, what he meant to me as a fan, you as a fan, all the other fans in Pittsburgh. I, I just don't think we're going to be able to express that more than we can right now. Yeah, I'm happy that like you uh, not transition, but threw that back to me talking about being fans, because this is so different for like if this is your first time listening to the show or if you listen to this show along with show like DK's daily shots or, you know, the Carter and Lolly show on the Steelers, like you're going to obviously see very different point of views. And that's why, like for us, you know, it's hard to keep emotion out of it. Like those guys are just literally reporting on the game, what they see and everything like that. Obviously, they do a great job at doing so. But this is a very different perspective. So if you were coming in here, like not expecting to hear like emotion at times, potentially in my voice talking about this and stuff, you're, you're in the wrong place because you're going to see that side. There obviously is bias. This guy's been our quarterback, our quarterback for 18 years um, and like you said, that's that's the majority of our lives. And you just think about that's where it like blurs those lines of sports and and emotion, being able to take emotion out of them, because you just think about everything in like your life that's changed, not just from a, a Steelers or sports perspective, but literally just your life from the time that you were eight years old to now. And he's been the quarterback. He's been the one consistent thing in our lives since that period of time. Him and the following year, Sidney Crosby as well. We've been very blessed in <laughs> Pittsburgh uh, to have those guys around for as long as we have. And, uh, you know, hopefully people were able to cherish them along the lines. I don't think that with anything that you ever do, um, because you just you get to a point where you never think it's going to end. Like you said, and it's hard to in the moment appreciate everything that's going on uh, because, you know, you saw within the last couple of weeks the national media's narrative about Ben kind of turned because it was the end of his career and it was finally time for them to start appreciating him. Meanwhile, you know, several of us in Pittsburgh um, have been doing so for as long as we possibly can and just soaking up every single moment that we had during this, not just this season, but, you know, when we really uh, felt like it was getting closer to the end, I'd say probably since he came back from that elbow injury, like we weren't even sure that that was going to happen. And when he did, Mm -hmm. you know, we were just, so appreciative for every moment that we had. We got an 11-0 start last year, won another AFC North championship, and then this year another playoff berth. So he could have very easily hung him up. And I tweeted this. So if you also follow us on Twitter, you're like, why is this guy regurgitating the same thing? He could have very easily hung him up after that elbow injury. Instead, he comes back. We get two more playoff berths, including an AFC North championship, uh, and also get to see him break a couple more uh, record cement his legacy a little bit more and, and climb the records a little bit more. And mm-hmm. he didn't overtake anything as the number one sole possession, but you get what I'm getting at. Oh yeah, for sure. First ballot hall of famer by far. And if, if you ask me, he's definitely top 15 pushing to top 12 all time. I don't know if I could put him top 10. It, it's really tough uh, trying to like really yeah. go out. But, I mean, he's definitely top 15 all time in my opinion. Yeah, I think what, like I feel like you have like the definitely we know like the very top of this list and then it kind of becomes about like just your flavor, your preference there. Mm-hmm. You know, are you more about like the style like what Ben did was so different compared to compared to literally everybody else. Like there's never been a quarterback like Ben. I don't think that we see another one following Ben. Everyone tries to make like the comparison with Josh Allen like a young Ben Roethlisberger, but he was obviously way ahead of his time playing that same style, you know, 17 years earlier. Um Right. And, uh, you know, I just the what Ben brought to this league, um, I, I think that it, it really changed the quarterback position. Um, and, and maybe there are some guys, maybe Josh Allen did draw some, you know, watching him 
made him mold his game a little bit after him. I don't know. I just I don't think that we're ever going to see another player like Ben Roethlisberger because he was never, you know, like the the film junkie or or anything like that. He always wanted to do things his way and you couldn't talk him out of that. He was never, you know, a huge nutritionist, obviously, like living the lifestyle <laughs> like Tom Brady has off the field. He just right. he's Ben Roethlisberger. He's Big Ben. And that's what he's been for 18 years. Yeah, and I'm thinking of like quarterbacks that people have compared him to, like even quarterback he's played at the same time with. And one of the ones that came to my mind was Cam Newton. But even then, they play completely mm. different. And I think the yeah. only comparisons was that they got hit all the time and that they were big. Mm-hmm. But that, that's the yeah, only comparison to, to Ben that they had because no one played like him. And they got non-quarterback treatment from referees <laughs> because yeah, of their that's, size. That's, yeah, it, it, there's there's just no one that has played like him that I can think of in NFL history, really. And there's just no one that's played with him in the same era. And it, you're going to be hard pressed to find someone that plays like him in the future because, I mean, the quarterback position is just changing so much from what it was whenever he came into the league, what, what it is now. Yeah. It, it, I just don't think we're going to see another one like him. And t- I'm going to just finish it off with, with, with uh, what I'm saying with an Andy Bernard quote. Uh, from the office is that I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. That's how I feel about Ben Roethlisberger's career. I wish we don't have to leave it, but sadly we do, but I'm going to cherish all of it. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, like you're going to see, I'm wearing a Jacksonville Jaguar shirt. This is a Trevor <laughs> Lawrence shirt because uh, Trevor Lawrence, along with Daniel Carlson, are the two reasons that, you know, we're sitting here even talking about a playoff game. Otherwise, last week's yeah. show had been recapping the season. Uh, so shout out to those two guys. But the biggest shout out of this show by far needs to go to number seven, Ben Roethlisberger. Once again, can't thank you enough, pal. 18 years in Pittsburgh. We appreciated every second of you being here. And we can't uh, I don't want to say we can't wait to see what you do after football. You could just completely disappear like go the Angelou, Andrew Luck route. We'll see. But uh, wish you the best. Whatever you decide to do with your family, you deserve it. You have a beautiful family. Cherish those kids while they're as young as they are before they want nothing to do with you. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe one of them will be the next quarterback. Hey, Junior. Ben Junior. Yeah. And ben Roethlisberger Jr. Family. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, we got to actually – talk about this game i guess a little bit uh ben roethlisberger's final game in the nfl is a 42 21 loss at the hands of the kansas city chiefs is kansas city poised for another super bowl appearance we'll talk about that this is around the 412 on the dk pittsburgh sports podcast network and we'll be right back And welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. As I just stated, the Steelers lose 42 to 21 at Arrowhead Stadium, or it's called Dia Field at Arrowhead Stadium now, whatever they want to call it. I don't, it's still just Arrowhead Stadium to me. That's a um, stupid name. They fall to the, to the Kansas City Chiefs, who <laughs> look like they are still the team to beat in the AFC, although the Buffalo Bills did have an incredible performance as well against the New England Patriots. Um, mm. You know, it's it's like for the Steelers from their standpoint, the first quarter went pretty much as you would hope. You know, it's it's a tie ball game after one quarter, zero zero. Now the problem. Let's talk about the pros and cons of that. The pros, defense, ball it out. Like they did everything that they possibly could in that first quarter, everything that you could ask of them, and more. Created turnovers. Uh, 
the con, the Steelers decided for whatever reason to receive the ball, even though they have notoriously started out slow. Um, and have scored and like the least nothing. amount of points in the first half of any team in the NFL. Yeah. Do nothing with the possession. Yeah, that's as expected. And then they punt the ball away. Like I said, the defense balls out. But, but the thing is, the offense not only started slow, they they never really found their footing, you know, until it was too late. And that's kind of been the story of the season. So I guess in that way, it's kind of poetic that it ends that way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, where where do we even start with this game? Other than I will say nice to see TJ Watt, like finally have that big playoff moment it kind of sucks. <laughs> it comes in a loss. But I think like even though it, the playoff shouldn't count for a regular season award like that moment to me, the interception and obviously returning to fumble like causing the interception by tipping it and then returning the fumble for a touchdown. That like kind of puts a stamp on the defensive player of the year award, don't you think? I would say so. And all the Ravens and Browns fans that were online can, trying to troll and say talking about TJ and the Steelers, all of you can buzz off. He's definitely defensive player of the year. He's always been great. He had the cementing uh, game in the playoffs now that is just proves his greatness. So everybody that those other fan bases that are sitting at home, just like we were watching this game, all of them can buzz off. Um, but yeah, he had a great game in the, like you said, the defense, they had a great game to start. I just think they got gas so early and I'm not saying that they, they didn't perform bad as well because I mean, at times the defense looked like we had seen like the past like month or two where like they're just getting gashed over and over again. But it's not like the offense gave them any favors going three and out multiple times and they just gave them no rest whatsoever. And it's not even like the the offense wasn't just not scoring. They weren't moving the ball whatsoever. And it was absolutely less than a yard per play. Yeah. I don't know what the first half finished with, but I know at one point in the first half, I looked at the total yards and it was 222 for the Chiefs and 45 for the Steelers. I'm pretty sure that was close to what it was at halftime. Yeah, and it was right around there. So that, that's just absolutely pathetic. They gave them no help. Um, like I said, the defense was not perfect in this game by any means. But the offense was just absolutely atrocious in all facets. Play calling, offensive line, quarterback play, wide receivers dropping the ball. I mean, Deontay Johnson, he's another one. He has such a good season up to the last couple of weeks. He's been having these drop issues again that we were seeing last year. It's like, why at this point in the season did you discover this problem again? It was so disappointing. Ben at halftime was 4 of 12 for 18 yards. Like, it's the most impressive stat line I've ever seen at half. <laughs> And the thing is, they are 13 four, 12, seconds four, away. Two. Yeah. Poetic again. They were 13 <laughs> seconds away from getting into half down by seven. Yeah. Made, like, oh, my God. The offense literally did not. And it, it, here's my biggest issue with, with this offense. My biggest issue is that there is no one singular issue. I wish there was like something we it's could just say. It's just Matt Cam- yeah, it's we could be, you know, like like the popular thing is just blame Matt Canada. Everything else would be fine if it weren't for the terrible play calling. Matt Canada is a big problem. In my opinion, he should not be brought back <laughs> as the offensive coordinator next year. However, the offensive line stinks. The quarterback is not good enough to make up for that. He's no longer playing at a high level. The wide receivers, while they have a ton of potential, have not lived up to it, especially down the stretch, as you mentioned with Deontay Johnson, who was their most consistent guy through the regular season, kind of mentally collapsed on himself here these last few weeks and especially tonight like you just wonder is it a different story 
if he makes a couple of those plays because that at least keeps the defense off the field for a longer period of time. You know, those were chain moving plays that we're talking about him dropping the ball. on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and again, it's Najee Harris played banged up, but you could see at least very early on that first drive, those first two runs, he he looked timid, you know, and I, I guess I can understand it. I don't know the severity of this elbow injury, but if he wasn't going to be able to, to be 100 percent, I know that the options in that backfield, uh, you know, there's there's really nothing there behind him. But if he can't be Najee Harris, I, I mean, there was really no point in throwing him out there, in my opinion. Um he just he wasn't effective. And actually, you know, down the stretch, I know that we're talking about we're going to bring this up in a second here with the Chiefs playing prevent defense. Benny Snell actually was running pretty effectively down the stretch there, whether that was just the Chiefs saying, go ahead, we don't care or him actually <laughs> finding something. I don't know. I lean towards yep. the first part of that. But either way, just overall, this offense had nothing tonight and it, and it had nothing for a majority of the season. Yeah, and I but I got to say, um, we talked a lot about how this is was Ben's last game, and but another one that came back with another receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. We don't know if it's going to be his last game in his heel uniform, but mm-hmm. e- even if it is, I'm so happy that we got to see him play one more time. Um, just because I, I have so much love for Juju, I know you do as well, and a lot of this fan base does. So the fact that we were able to see him suit up and get into this game, that was awesome. It's a shame that that, that didn't go better for him as well. But, uh, yeah, I don't know really what more to talk about with this offense except for, mm-hmm. like, I wrote down a couple things that I would, I would do to, like, hopefully change well, it a on. little bit or start. Okay. Hold that thought because I, I want to talk about the defense real quick, and then I want to come back to like the potential changes that we could see other than the obvious one at quarterback. Okay. Um, sure. So on the defensive side of the football, it, like it's tough because at halftime they had given up 21 points over 300 yards of offense, but they played so well in the first quarter, and you just feel like they did everything that they possibly could. They kind of emptied the tank to try to give the offense a chance to get out to an early lead, and, and you know, really the only way that the Steelers had a shot was by doing that. And the offense couldn't do it. And you knew that the defense defense couldn't keep that up for the entirety of the game was going to wear down. So, like, how much blame do you put what the defense looked like tonight down the stretch on the offense? You know, because I, I think that there's just and I think that's been a case for a lot of the season. I'm not trying to completely absolve the defense of blame here, but I think that they they played well enough early on that they could have continued to play well enough for them to win this football game if the offense would have done anything. No, I agree. In this game specifically, I think a big part of it was just they were just gassed. They were on the field too much, too consistently. And honestly, it's funny because the the only uh, or the, not the only touchdown. There was multiple touchdowns, but like the first touchdown in this game was that TJ Watt fumble recovery for a touchdown. But honestly, that probably hurt the defense a little bit more than if it was an right offensive touchdown, just yeah. because they go right back out there. I, I, it's it's not it's not telling to me that, that they were. Uh, they were bad because of the offense. Like it, it was clear to me that they were gassed. I just think after that first quarter, getting into the second quarter, you could just tell they were on the field too much. And I, I like I said, I don't think that was the only problem. I, I still think there were some uh, schematic issues and like ability issues that the defense had where it's like, okay, Travis Kelsey's just better than us. Why do we have Robert Spillane covering him? Uh, I think there was still still some scheme issues with the defense, that the, which is why they were getting gashed as well. But like I said, the offense being on the field for as little as they were, specifically in the first half, just kind of killed the defense's momentum and just made them on their heels the entire time because they couldn't keep up. 
Yeah, the Chiefs didn't miss Travis Kelsey uh, when they were able to blow us out in Week 16, but he was obviously a huge factor tonight. I mean, anytime he's out there, he's a mismatch for regard- whoever would have been covering him. But um, yeah, it's kind of goes back to that whole coaching malpractice thing that we've talked about several times when you're talking about putting Robert Spillane on him. Um, and then I don't, I don't know that it was what the defense was in, but that play right before halftime where Trey Norwood is the only guy in the vicinity and no one can cover anybody for that long. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had all day back there. He gets out and makes that play. So, I I mean, yeah, from a schematic standpoint and just from a personnel standpoint, I don't think that the defense was was great all year. Again, I I, you know, it's kind of weird because it was night and day difference at home and on the road. Obviously, this game being on the road. Um, But yeah, I, I still think that they were obviously. I mean, it's pretty. It's like being the. I, I this is low hanging fruit, but they were obviously the better of the two units. But there's still work to be done, especially with the questions about Tyson Alualu coming back. With Stephon Tuit, is he going to be back? Uh, you know, you, I, I imagine Joe Schobert can't come back at ten million dollars. Joe Hayden's a free agent. You know, there's a lot of things on the defensive side of the football to discuss, but let's start with the offensive side of the football, what we expect to see going into next season. Obviously, I mean, might as well start with the quarterback position, right? Because Ben Roethlisberger, not going to be back next year. Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins are the in-house options. Is that where we're leaning right now? Do we think that they stay in-house or are they going to go outside? Because Mike Palma has mentioned quarterback mobility (laughs) in like nine or ten press conferences that he's had this year. I mean, we we got that report earlier on Sunday saying that the court, the Steelers are not going to look for a big name at quarterback next year, which I thought mm-hmm. was odd right before a playoff game. Um, but yeah. I, but I kind of believe the report. I, I don't think that they're going to go after one of the big names in the that are currently in the NFL. Like I don't think they're going to go after an Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they're going to go after a Russell Wilson, a Derek Carr. I just don't think that's the Steelers mojo when it comes to this sort of thing but then again we might be wrong because we haven't been in this situation for almost 20 years um but that's just my opinion i don't think they're going to do that and i think the only possibility is that maybe they draft one i still don't think that's going to be their first option though i think they're going to stick with mason rudolph dwayne haskins and roll with that for at least one year maybe more depending on how it goes. And I, I, I don't know. That might be actually better as a Steeler fan, depending on how bad they are. And I mean, maybe Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins shocks us and they actually turn out to be okay quarterbacks and they turn out to uh, – the Steelers aren't as bad as we think they're going to be next season. But I, I think that it would be better to be bad with one of those guys than to be mediocre with someone else. Because, like I said for a long time, mediocre mediocrity is the worst thing in football, especially when yeah. it comes to trying to retool or rebuild or whatever phrase you want to say it on a franchise. So that would be my choice. And what I think they're going to do is stick with Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, whoever it turns out to be. I just don't see them getting an outside source for quarterback. I mean, at this point, everyone's tuning out of the show. No one wants to hear that. I don't think that's a Steeler fan. I, I a hundred percent see where you're coming from. It's not going to surprise me if that is the case. I think that they do look for a marginal upgrade. Um, and I get the argument that you're making. I just, this isn't necessarily what I want to do. Yeah. I I mean, like I'm talking, (laughs) you know, like a Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota type, um, 
maybe I mean, I, I know that people probably don't want to hear this name, but like Mitch Trubisky is a buy low candidate, like a bounce back option uh, could make sense. I don't know how much he learned under Brian Dabble and Josh Allen and Buffalo backing him up. Um, but I just took a Maggie's team to the playoffs twice. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned that, too, is I, I don't know. I don't know how much of that was Mitch Trubisky's ability and how much of that was coaching malpractice. The fact that that dude just completely fell off the last couple of years there in Chicago. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this from the Steelers standpoint, and I just don't see a situation where they're not going to do everything in their power to compete, even if it's at just like an average level. Like if they feel like they can go nine and eight as opposed to, you know, five and uh, 12 and like bottoming out the worst that they've ever been pretty much like in our lifetimes, or at least as long as I can remember watching the Steelers. Um, I think that they're, they're going to do that. Like everything, the Steeler way that. that we always talk about is always going to be about winning as many games as possible, even if that only makes them an average team. I mean, you could look at like, look at this year, right? I mean, this was still, this was a very average team, if average, and they somehow got to the playoffs. Like they're going to squeeze everything that they can out of every single roster. I just, I don't think that they're going to be okay with throwing a year away, uh, especially when, you know, potentially again, if you get Alu Alu into it back, it's still, in my opinion, a pretty solid defense. So I don't think they're going to want to waste a year of that. And going back to like the Steeler way thing of like how they do things, right? Like I understand that traditionally. But here's the thing, like the last three years, they've kind of broken the mold on that, like trading up 10 spots for Devin Bush, trading a first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, and then actually paying TJ Watt, making him the highest paid defensive player. Those are things in the past that we hadn't seen. They've kind of broken the mold on on what the Steeler way, in quotes, is. You're right. And I, I know the Steelers are not going to like openly tank. Like this is not right. going to happen. They're, they're not the New York Rangers or whatever. But I, I just think that they I'm speaking from a fan perspective and in my opinion that is the worst thing they could do um just because it's like the, if you're not going to win the Super Bowl why should you be good and I know that's very cynical of me but I, I'm just looking at this like when do you, you have to find your franchise quarterback eventually yeah exactly I'm looking at it as I don't really care what happens next year I want a quarterback for the next another 20 years I want another big Ben um, and I, I don't know where they're going to find that. And I just don't think that it's worth it to be mediocre to do so, but you're, you're probably right. They may, they might bring in somebody like that, but I mean, maybe they do give Mason Rudolph a shot. I mean, he's been Ben's backup yeah. for four and, years. And, and so here's what I, I'll say about Mason is I think that you can make the case that they'd be better off, um, fixing everything else before addressing quarterback you know the offensive line shoring up the weapons because i think you got some things there but they need a speedster um they need a guy to take the top off the defense to allow johnson and claypool to win the way that they do um and then you know obviously like the cornerback situation could get interesting if joe hayden's not gonna be back uh middle linebacker clearly and then you got to figure out what's going on. I, I know that I've mentioned it several times already, but like you got to figure out the Stefan Tuitt and Tyson Alu Alu situations because otherwise you're looking at you know defensive line as well being an area of need. So I, I think that you could make the argument like you're saying, but not necessarily for the same reasons to address everything else besides quarterback. Roll with the in-house options and then address quarterback. You know, a year down the road when everything mm-hmm. else is, is in a more stable spot for that quarterback to come into an ideal position. Yeah, if I can, let me just give you some uh, my season wrap up ideas. As the game was going on in the fourth quarter, I was going like, okay, what are some things I want to see 
uh, happen in the offseason for this team. Uh, and these are just off the cuff, random things. So obviously Ben's retiring. So, but I, I don't think they're going to, I, in my opinion, they didn't have any change of quarterback, but the first thing I would do fire Matt Canada. He sucks. You have to be able to adjust your offense. And if he doesn't have a mobile quarterback, he can't be productive as an offensive coordinator. He was terrible. Get him out of here. And this I'm just speaking offensively at first. And then you need to address your offensive line. And honestly, that is literally every position on the offensive line. I think you have something with Dan Moore Jr. there. I think there was some upside there. But I do think you need another tackle. I do think you need to address a guard position. And I think you need to address the center position because Kendrick Green, unless he gets some like really good training in the offseason, he was not what we thought we were getting. Um, actually, he might be what we thought we were getting whenever we drafted him, let's be honest. Um, and then... On the offensive side, the last thing I'd do is I would probably add a wide receiver because you you probably yeah. losing James Washington. You might be losing Juju Smith-Schuster again. We, I mean, he signed the one-year deal. You don't know if he's going to do that again. Don't know what teams are going to be interested in him. But I think they need another wide receiver. Like in like one, like you said, to take the top off. The Steelers just don't have that speedy guy to extend the field, and they they need to get one defensively. Extend Minka. He he was a baller. He he made some plays tonight. He showed he he he's best safety in the league in my opinion. Completely biased too. I don't care, but <laughs> you need to you need to extend them, and then you need to address middle linebacker. And I think you need to address cornerback. Is Joe Hayden going to be back? I have no idea. Do we even want him back? Let's be honest. He has looked pretty washed up the past little bit for the Steelers. Um, he's thirty two years old. He's going to be thirty three in April. And so are you going to really want to give money to a guy that's going to be 33 years old? Like how much term is he going to want? Can he get us from somewhere else? And then, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen on the defensive line with Tui Alualu, but, but I think they need a safety net there and they need to at least get something possibly if unless those two work out, then that's fine. But I think they need to get something for a defensive tackle just as a safety net. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the na- so it, for me, first priority of business is a Minka extension. Um, you know, hopefully that they can get it done sooner than how close to the season they got TJ done this year. Um, honestly, though, you know, you mentioned in the corner room. What about a Kella Witherspoon? You know, we didn't even hear his name much. That's probably a good thing. I do think that he had a, a good uh, tenure with the Steelers this season. I, I thought it was pretty solid. I think that they, they should bring him back. Um, and yeah, he's, he's one of the options that I think are there. Like, I don't know what he would command in free agency. Cause it's such a small sample size, but he like, he balled out in these last six weeks or so that he's been active and put into a starting role for the Steelers. Like ever since they benched James Pierre and put him into the lineup, he was kind of locking things down over there. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I, I would love to see him brought back. I can't imagine that he's going to break the bank in free agency off this sample size. Um, you know, because I'd be weary of just tossing him money because of this, but I, I would like to see him back. Um, definitely the D line and middle linebackers as well. Here's the the thing that's going to be interesting to see is like, what do you address in free agency and what do you address in the draft? Um, because like, if you want to tackle, like, I, I know that it's not again kind of strays away from what the Steelers typically do. Teron Armstead is going to be sitting there and the Saints definitely cannot afford to pay him. I think he hits the open market and signs elsewhere with with the Saints cap issues. He's he's 30 years old, but he's one of the best tackles in football. 
do they think about making a splash signing, something like that? Or, you know, if it's not tackle, I can't imagine Tampa lets him go. He's kind of been the heartbeat for that offensive line. But like Ryan Jensen's a free agent, too. I mean, there's so many possibilities. Like, what do you address in free agency? and What do you address in the draft? Um, I, I honestly think it depends on who's there in the draft as well. Like for me, I, and I was thinking about this, to, like to, as the game was winding down, I was like, okay, who's going to be my first round pick? Because the Steelers are going to pick, is there, 20th. is there a spot 20th? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I said, if Tyler Linderbaum is there, that's my pick. Um, yeah. it, cause that's your first for sure center. Like, we're not going to get a Kendrick Green situation where he didn't play center. Um, but other than that, I, I would look at linebacker in the first round, depending on who's there, tackle, and um, what corners are still available. Like, I, I think those are the positions I'm looking at. Yeah. Yeah, Tyler Linderbaum the obvious one. Like, because positional value, like – a center's never been taken in what the top fifteen, like in NFL history, NFL draft history. So, I don't think so. And like, he's... there's, like, I'm not saying that he won't. Like, there's definitely a shot that somebody breaks the mold on that for him. I think he's that type of player. Um, but I think that there's a, still a shot that he gets there, or you know, like a a Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. If we're talking corners, um, I really don't know too much about this linebacker class. Just being quite honest with you. Um, to me, those are two names to look at though. The two that I just brought up. And then obviously there's the shot, say a quarterback falls, you know, I mean, they've been linked heavily. Kevin Colbert, who's leaving after the draft, he seems to, and, and you know, this is how much do you want to read into things? Seems to be really high on Sam Howe out of UNC. Bleh. I mean, <laughs> I just think there's a there's multiple quarterbacks I'd rather have, and at that point, I'd just rather not take a quarterback. I mean, that's that's just where I'm at. He seems like a, a pretty high floor, low ceiling guy. Um, you know what you never want to hear about. You know, for, especially for a first round pick. You know, guys like that are. What's the difference between him and like a, a Mason Rudolph playing for a season? Um, I think the thing with him that where I'll give him the benefit of the doubt is he lost literally everything this year at UNC, lost all of his weapons, both his running backs, all of his top two or three receivers, whatever it was, and his entire offensive line. Like they were starting all freshmen on his offensive line. So he had to completely yeah. change his game. He ran for over a thousand yards this year, um, running for his life. So I, I gotta give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um I, I've never questioned, you know, his compete level and stuff. You never really want to hear that though, either. That's kind of like a hockey term for a guy that's not really that good. Um <laughs> what is he what do you mean he was is compete level. Everybody has compete level. He's a he's a, he's a gamer, if you will. Unless you're Marcus Russell, you don't have compete level. <laughs> so it's gonna be yeah, but I mean, I want to just move on, and it's it's gonna be a weird off season knowing that Ben's not coming back, and there being that level of uncertainty. Like, do we actually think that they'll stick in house with Rudolph and Haskins and just let them battle it out, or are they gonna look for like a marginal upgrade and really try to get the most they can out of this team again? I mean, I don't even know why we're talking about drafting a quarterback in 2022 when we're clearly going to be drafting Bryce Young in 2023. <laughs> you know, so, there's probably people that don't want that now after watching that national championship. Maybe, but there was probably people that didn't want Trevor Lawrence going number one overall after he lost to Ohio State last year, too. But look what happened. Yeah. 
<sighs> Either fun or not so fun times are ahead in Pittsburgh. The best part is it's a lot of uncertainty. We can just have conversations about it and nobody's going to be wrong right away. So, and for those of you that are new to our show, we love talking the off season. So it's an, it's still fun at around the four one two during the Steelers off season. Absolutely. And so join in on the conversations. Let us know what you guys think. What direction would you like the Steelers to go in the first round? How do you think that they address the off season, you know, splitting up their needs between free agency and the draft? Let us know what you guys think either way. There's some, there's more uncertainty now than there has been in a very long time in Pittsburgh uh, as we head into the off season. So uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show, talk about some Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. Do we have a new backup goalie in time? Louis Domingue shines bright. We're going to talk about that when we come back. This is round 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. That is Tyler. Let's wrap up the show like we always do. Talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins ice hockey team. Uh, not the not the best week, not the worst week. I, I'd say that recently the Penguins have looked like they haven't really found their best game. Um, they're not getting off to the greatest starts like they were early in the season. We've seen them. Score the first goal, but lose recently. The penalty kill is no longer number one in the league. They're now number two. Um, you know, what can we really say about this recent stretch of hockey other than, hey, if Denny Malkin's back. Yeah. And you know, the worst part is I forgot to take him off of my bench and put him in my fantasy uh-huh. hockey league. And his first game back, he gets two goals and an assist. I was pissed. But yeah, two and Probably one this week for the Penguins. Probably should have had three. Uh, but two and one this week for the Penguins. Um, beat the Ducks. It's, it's a California road trip. Had an absolute stinker against the LA Kings. That game was just really pathetic all around. They just never really. I think got that might have been the worst game of the year. Yeah, I, I think so too. I don't. I don't think they found their game like you were saying, like whatsoever. And uh, then they beat the Sharks in overtime. Beautiful goal, Crystal Tang to Sidney Crosby to Jake Gensel. Absolutely vintage. I love to see it. But yeah, they, they had an okay week. Like it, it was it was good they got two wins, but nothing really special. They didn't look like they had been over that like ten game winning stretch. Um mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean you can't expect that level of play to continue for that that lo- amount of time. Um but yeah, I, I think the the main thing is like I think there's a couple guys that we need to talk about that have performed pretty well during this past week. Um you mentioned one of them, Louis Domingue against the Sharks. One one goal against 40 saves in his debut with the Penguins. We had talked about it before uh, and we didn't know that we were going to get it, that maybe we give this guy a shot as the backup in, on the big league club. And he performs very well in his debut. What did you think? And do you think that uh, when Casey DeSmith is healthy, should Louis Domingue remain the backup goaltender? So this wasn't even a back or I'm um, sorry, a back to back situation. Like Mike Sullivan just said, here's the keys for a night. Like Tristan Jari needs a night off. Casey DeSmith's not available. Louis Domingue, you're getting a game. What does he do with that opportunity? Stops 40 out of 41 shots. And without him, the Penguins don't win that game. The Sharks were clearly the better team for the majority of that game. <coughs> Excuse me. 
I think the Pens were the better team in the third period and clearly the very little portion of overtime. I think the Sharks were the better team in the first two periods. And I think that that game is probably at the point where the Penguins cannot come back if it's not for the play of Louis Domingue and Net. So I don't know how you don't give him at least one more start here somewhere down the line before you get Casey to Smith back and put him back into that backup role. I think you got to see at least one more game from Louis Domingue and find out if you do have something there because Casey to Smith has not been it this year. He hasn't given you what you need behind Tristan Jari. And I'm not saying Louis Domingue is going to. I'm saying that we need to find out if Louis Domingue potentially can uh, because I, I think that it's pretty clear at this point Casey to Smith is not going to. So let me ask you a question. When would his next start be for you? Let me bring up the Penguins schedule real quick. So uh, this upcoming week, they do have a back-to-back on Thursday and Friday. So I assume right. it would be one of those two games. It, it, the the Senators and the Blue Jackets. So either one of those. But to throw a wrench into it, according to CBS's Sports Penguins injury report, Casey DeSmith is expected to be out until at least January 17th. So he would be back in time for that back-to-back. Do you think that they still give Deming yeah. the back-to-back and leave Casey DeSmith out? Is Mike Sullivan might be, you know, hockey coaches in general don't really say much or players for that matter. Mike Sullivan is somehow even harder to gauge than the average one. Like, I have no idea what he's going to do. Um, I would like to think that's what I was going to bring up is they have that back to back. But I'm also worried that the Smith comes back from protocol. And then what do you do with that? Are they going to carry three goalies? Do they even... I don't know how that works, but they don't necessarily have to activate Casey the Smith right away, do they? I mean, they could feasibly just wait to activate him. But let me just say one thing. I think if you have a backup goaltender with an 888 save percentage and a 347 goals against average, that I don't have a problem with making him the Wilkes-Barre Scranton starting goalie for a week and letting Louis Domingue get another start at the NHL level. Not that I'm worried about it. The only thing I'm thinking about is he has to clear waivers then. What, what team's going to want him, honestly? <laughs> I don't I don't think that there would be one. I'm just thinking from their perspective, like we know Louis Domingue can go back down without having to clear through waivers. I mean, can a goalie be on the taxi squad? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. They could, see, they could just carry him on there. Hmm. Okay. Now we're thinking. Because that would avoid just, the waivers. No matter, you don't have to send him back down. No matter how this has to play out from a from a paperwork move standpoint, whatever Louis Domingue has to get one of those two games, in my opinion, on Thursday or Friday. And from an opponent standpoint, neither team is very good. I guess Columbus is a little bit better than Ottawa. So give him Ottawa. I don't know. Well, honestly, if if Mike Sullivan sticks with the way that he has been with back to backs, he's going to put his starting goalie in the first game. That's pretty traditional. Yeah. Yeah, So, Columbus is a little bit better of a team. So honestly, that's why I would rather have Louis Domingue face is to get him a little bit better of an opponent and see what he does uh, against the the better competition again. And if he performs like he did against the Sharks, then I see no reason why he should not be the backup goalie moving forward. And until he gives you a reason to take him out of that that role, Casey DeSmith should not be the backup. Yeah. Yeah, I get that point too. I just don't hey, think Casey DeSmith is giving you the opportunity to win games at this point. Right. Uh, on the other side of that, the other goaltender, Tristan Jari, is right now the team's lone all-star. Uh, Jake Gensel trying to be the last guy in. But um, 
as we sit here right now, it's only Tristan Jari going to the all-star game for the Penguins. Um, so Jake Denzel, obviously, like if he's not the last man, and that's a shame because there's no reason he shouldn't be in the all-star game. I think Chris Letang is a pretty clear snub here as well. And this is it's just to me so stupid. And I know that we have the Pens bias, but I mean, come on, like look at the, the level that these guys have played at compared to some of these guys that are there. I think it's so stupid that every team needs to be represented because you're not getting the best players there because of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's the same thing across sports in general that everybody has to have all stars. I think if you're an all star, it should be the well, team. You don't have pro bowlers. Go. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> I honestly didn't know that. I was thinking about like baseball and the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, but but I think that is stupid. The, the all star game should just be the all star players. Like it should be that caliber of players. You should, it doesn't have, mean you have to have a, one from every team. And can can I say I hate. So, so, does fan voting does that who they select how they select the all-stars still for the nhl yeah so i hate fan voting across sports anyway um i always said that i think that the league should pick who the all-stars are in these games and then if you want to have fan voting they should pick for the starting lineup or something i just think and especially with the nhl i mean it is one it's not like there's a, a john scott level of uh, mediocrity in this all-star game. I just think that that's how you, you're going to get the best quality players on on the team is if you if you take out the fan voting and then, like you said, you don't have to have representation from every single team. Just pick who the best yeah. players are at the time are. Um, but I want to talk about one, one other thing in hockey while we're, we're talking about it. And uh, Redeems is Horna has played actually pretty well over yeah. at least the last couple of games that he's been able to play. And two other guys that are supposed to come off of the IR this week are Danton Heinen and Zach Aston Reese. And so I'm wondering – Did he play into? Yeah, so I'm Mason wondering could be back. with Redeem Zahorna, Drew Connor, Dominic Simone, with all these guys coming back, who do you think, if any, stays in the lineup? Oh, man. Such a good problem to have. And uh, listen, I like Redeem Zahorna, but this is me thinking, are you asking what I would do or what I think is going to happen? Because I'll ask both. Give me what you would do first and what you think is going to happen second. Yeah, to me, I mean, I was on the Drew O'Connor should be in the lineup train, you know, when everybody's healthy and stuff. But to me, like out of the guys that are playing right now, if we can only keep one from that, like from that group of guys between like Zahorna, Simone, uh, Boyle and O'Connor. I think just because of the size speed combination and what his possession metrics have looked like, like his line, regardless of who he's with, has been shutting down other teams' offenses and possessing the puck in their offensive zone the entire time. I think I'm keeping redeems a horn because he's the most intriguing guy to me. Um, and you know, when we're talking about this, these level of players, right. Where there's just like maybe the, so the smallest, uh, I don't know, level of play between them. Give me the guy with like the highest upside. And, and in this situation, I think it's Redeem Zahorna. Um, so to me, he would be the first one I keep in the lineup if, if any of them are going to. I agree with you. And I think he he adds some size as to, to what we thought the Penguins were going to go for. But then they trade for uh, Nylander, which absolutely goes against what Brian Boyle was talking about with getting size. But not, needless to say, uh, I think that Drew O'Connor and Dominic Simone will probably be the two coming out of the lineup for Danton Heinen and Zach Aston Reese. Where they go into the lineup, that's another question because, I mean, you have Evan Rodriguez that needs to move down off of that top line to put Brian Rust at. So where does he go? I mean, actually, does Brian Boyle come out of the lineup as well? And Evan Rodriguez slides into center. 
Yeah, here's the thing with that. I think that you need to keep Carter on Gino's wing, uh, not just because they, they've looked good together in a small sample size, but you also need to have another center playing with Gino right now because Gino's not really taking faceoffs. So mm-hmm. I think that you keep those two together. And yeah, I think that we see Evan Rodriguez end up being a third line center. And then you, you put that Bluter, McGinn, Zach Gaston, Reese line back together. Uh, figure out who's going to play with these guys. It's interesting because you, know, you mentioned Brian Russ coming back. Sullivan also listed Jason Zucker as a game time decision. So he's going to be coming back to the lineup. Now, is he one of their best 12 forward options? I'm not so sure right now, but I think he's going to be in the lineup. And then uh, that means that who do you take? That means that some Horner would probably come out at that yeah, point. I, that's what I'm saying. I think that we see all four of these guys come out, but if we're keeping one in, it's, it's a Horner to me. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it, we've talked about this many times and it's just like repeating ourselves, but Jason Zucker, he just, he's just doesn't do it for us. He doesn't really do it for the team either. I, you know, for whatever you can get for him, I think that you got to move him. Um, do you, do you, I don't do know. You, do you, even if it's just like a late round pick, do you just yeah. basically look to move him for nothing? I would rather. Yeah, I'd rather just move him for whatever you can get and not retain salary as opposed to trying to get, you know, something asset back and retaining salary. Uh, yeah. just not interested in them doing that. So I think that you have, you know, what you need really from a forward standpoint and even from a defensive standpoint, really, if this team can get a backup goalie there, I think they're ready to roll. I mean, it's crazy to me that Brock McGinn has been more offensively productive than Jason Zucker has. Hey, shout out to Brock McGinn, friend of the show, by the way. Friend I want to mention, show. though, we brought up we brought up Evan Rodriguez. I, You know, I I like what I've seen, obviously, this year. I, I have a, a strong feeling that we don't see this trend continue. He's kind of gone cold recently, though. And the yeah, thing I think is, he had it's a like, game against the Sharks. Yeah, like I don't even want to say it's like a snake bitten perspective. He just doesn't seem to be shooting the puck as much as he was. Mm-mm. So I, 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 don't I don't know. I don't really know how you fix because, that either. I, I just think, yeah, I just think he needs to start shooting the puck more, and I, that's why I'm saying like <laughs> I don't think that we see this trend continue because it's not like, oh, this guy's just like you know snake bitten all of a sudden he's lost his shot. He's not playing the same type of hockey. Like I think he's still carrying the puck as much as he was it's just he's not being the trigger guy anymore and like you know playing with Sidney Crosby and Jake Denzel like Jake Denzel's just been scoring a bunch of goals uh so mm-hmm. it is what it is that's why I think he could benefit from you know who do we see him play with maybe like uh he could play with Dan Heinen and Jason Zucker if that's the way if we see Jason Zucker come back into the lineup and if that's the case we know Zucker is not gonna shoot the puck uh so you know that leaves Evan Rodriguez and Dan Heinen yeah, I don't know. It'll be a lot to figure out, but we will f- find out tonight against the Las Vegas Golden another Knights. Late game. Um, yep, another late game. Well, late for those of you that are still on the East Coast. I live in Utah now, so it's not as bad for me. But uh, yeah, late game nonetheless. And hopefully the Penguins trend in the right way. They continue to do so. Like we said, not a bad week for them. It was okay. Still won two out of the three games. Just... Hopefully they can get back to what they were playing like during that 10 game win streak. Last thing I want to ask you, um, I talked about it on the the Mad Chad Netty show. We were talking about Chris Letang. How impressed have you been with Chris Letang this year? Like, I don't I don't think that this is the, like Pete Chris Letang, the best we've ever seen him play. But I am more impressed with what he's done this year than any other time, because like he's 
stayed true to his identity, like what he is as an offensive player, taking chances. He's even got goals in back-to-back games now. Um, He's gotten a ton of primary assists. Like he's on pace for 75 points or so this year, which is absolutely (laughs) stupid on the back end, especially at his age. Just really like a contributor shows really how well conditioned he is and how good a shape he keeps himself in. Anyways, long story short, what I'm getting at here is how impressed have you been with Chris Letang playing at the level that he still is? I think he's been fantastic. Um, and I, I think that what we saw was the last week or the week before that, whenever he said he would li- like to play like another five years, I'd be oh, perfectly yeah. fine with that because it shows no signs <laughs> of slowing down. I mean, and, and we even questioned that like, like last year, I think it was like, when, when do we, do we, do we give, put him back from injury right away and like ease him into it. I mean, mm. he proved us wrong. Then he's been proving everybody wrong for many years that he's still the same defenseman that he was. And yep. he, he's great. He's, he's still that elite defenseman that we love. Um, and I, I think, yeah, like you said, I think he's had a great year. I think that whenever it comes to extending him and Gina this off season, his is going to be well-deserved. I think like for the first time since like the bottom fell out, for Chris Letang in that 2018 series against the Capitals. Um, I think that him and Dumoulin are playing well together for like the first time since at some point during that 2018 season. Because it's always been like one or the other were playing at a really high level. I mean, they, there was t- like very short periods of time where they would both be okay. But right now, they're now oh, so playing just, like just extended clarify, hockey. Playing well, you mean like whenever they were peak like Dumo and Letang together? Yeah, right. Yeah, they were a legitimate top two pairing one of the best defensive pairings in hockey that's what i'm talking about i think that they like have been playing at that level now for a decent stretch um i don't i really i didn't go back and watch anything from that performance against the kings you know to, to go back <laughs> goal by goal and see who was at fault but i i'm saying like just over this entire uh really I don't know how long have the Penguins really been playing a month or so of hockey, not of worth no. of games, because I know that we had that break in there. Uh, these, right. Both those guys together have been so good, and, and the defense as a whole just so consistent. Pedersen and Marino, we know how those two guys play together. And then another thing that I had brought up, you know, on a different show was Matheson and Ruedel. Like I, I think that that pairing specifically is such a testament to the work that Todd Reardon has done coming back to this team. And also just Mike Sullivan, how good of a hockey coach he is with like perfect deployment of those two guys. He must have listened to our preseason show because I believe that we were the ones that said that they should keep uh, Marino and Pedersen together. And yeah, then put we were worried Ruby about Marino and Matheson. Yeah, we were worried about them and putting we, – we have always been Ruedel fans and we knew that he was going to be a steady defenseman that Matheson would need to be able to excel like Matheson – likes to do. He likes to play similar to a Chris Letang style of hockey, be a little more offensive. And having someone like Ruedel as opposed to Marino would allow him to do that. And I think it's paid out dividends for the team. And I think the defensive unit as a whole is pretty solid. Yeah. Well, speaking of solid, I feel like this is a real solid show. Around the 412, as every episode is around the 412 and every show on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Uh, hey, if you guys are not already subscribed, I don't know what you're doing, but please be sure to subscribe to the DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube channel. The button is right below us. Hit the notification bell so you know when a new video is posted. We got a ton of independent podcasts that go up here, staff podcasts, DK's daily shots, and then media availability from players and coaches throughout the week. You don't need anywhere else for your Pittsburgh sports content. If you were just listening to the show, not on YouTube, wherever you're listening, leave us a five-star review with, with whatever you put in the review. Ask 
ask us a question. We'll bring it up on the show. We appreciate it. It helps us greatly if you guys do so. Leave us a comment. If you guys watch, if you guys enjoyed being in the live premiere, those go up at 2 p.m. Eastern every single Monday. Try to be in there and interact with you guys as that is happening. Other than that, I don't think I got anything else. Tyler, you got a parting words for the fans? Nope. Uh, thank you, Seven, thank for the seven. final time from around the 412. Uh, it was an honor to watch you play for these last 18 years. No better way to end the show. Uh, for that, for Tyler, I am Smitty. This is Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>